Welcome to Farming with Science. This podcast series has been designed with the goal of increasing your understanding of agricultural science and the management of our natural resources. Our aim is to share information to benefit farmers and ranchers, agricultural labor, and citizens interested in knowing more about how the food that we eat is produced. Every episode is an opportunity to learn, shared by the best agricultural professionals from the University of Florida and collaborative institutions. We invite you to sit back and enjoy while Jonah Bosques and Francisco Rivera, among other guest presenters, guide you through another episode of Farming with Science. My name is Jonah Bosques, Hardy County Extension Agriculture Agent, and this is Farming with Science. This morning we have with us uh, Dr. Catalina Cabrera. She's our small ruminant extension veterinarian uh, with the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine. And uh, we're going to start a, uh, a new series uh, discussing sheep and goat production issues and, and topics. So, good morning, Catalina. How are you today? Good morning. I'm happy to be here and to have the opportunity to talk with you and, and bring some um, different topics of conversation to producers. Yeah, so we're talking about sheep and goats in, in, in this program. And uh, we have been farming sheep and goats in Florida for about 400 years. So we have a long history with sheep and goat production. Florida also is uh, home to a diverse population, meaning that uh, sheep and goat production, it's very relevant today. Uh, we have a lot of demand for sheep and goat products, talking about meat and milk and also wool. So we want to talk about uh, the specifics and the foundations of uh, sheep and goat production, which in this case is reproduction. Um, sheep and goat are seasonal so uh, compared with cows that will be cycling all year round sheep and goat are what we call um, short day breeders so this means that specifically after the days start getting short after june 21st these animals are going to have the stimulus in their brain of that decrease of uh, hours of light and that is going to stimulate that they cycle so they usually tend to cycle in the fall and early winter. Um, and then they're gonna go in a period of anestrus, so no cyclicity, that is gonna go from end of the winter, all the spring and um, part of the summer. So we really have to focus on making sure that we get the best out of our breeding season in that um, fall, early winter period. So that's the relevance of, of, of this moment. It's the moment where we have to prepare and be ready to start our breeding season with our different production systems, whether they are sheep or goat. Um, so the, the, the reason why sheep and goat are uh, considered a seasonal animal is because um, them and other species have evolved into making sure that the lamb or kid 
at the moment that they're going to have more food availability and that the weather conditions are not going to be so complicated for them and their office springs. So basically, if you think backwards, what they're trying to do is they're trying to lamb or kid during the spring, which um, means that probably at this point the conditions are better and then there is some uh, better quality of pasture. So if we go back from their five months, then we are going to see that they are going to be cycling in this fall period. Um, so that's what determines from the from the physiological aspect, what determines what this with the breeding season is. Um, we could also decide ourselves how much we want to move back and forth during that breeding season, depending on how in our specific farm we are going to have food available. And also we could determine when do we want to breed based on uh, our marketing. So if we have a specific time of the year where we know that we have a big clientele for, for lambs, then we can just work backwards and see, okay, so, um, I don't know, uh, Easter is a good time to sell lambs, so what age do they have to be in Easter? Then I have to go back, so when do they have to be born? And then I go back five months and I try to target my breeding season to make sure that I have those lambs available because that's when I'm going to get the best price for them. Mm -hmm. So we are restricted a little bit by the seasonality that we can manipulate to certain extent, um, but within that period of time, we can also decide when we want to go into our breeding season based on or the marketing and the food available in our farm. Catalina, that is so interesting um, for, for me and for the people that are, are hearing us on today. Um, I have a couple of questions because right now, all this process need a lot of planning and I would like that producers that are starting or, or are in the business right now can understand the importance of the selection of your animal in, in, in their herds. What they have to think about. Well, so this is, this is also the moment where we are taking reproduction and this um, breeding season as the moment where we are going to improve our herd. This is where we are going to inject some genetics. This is where we are going to select our future replacements. This is where we are going to indirectly be selecting what our product is going to be. So this is a critical moment in the selection of both females and males because it's going to give us you know, our next year of production. Um, some of the considerations in this genetic improvement are going to be based on uh, phenotype, so there might be things that we are going to be selecting directly for how these animals look, that they meet the criteria, that they have good quality of carcass, that they have, you know, um, a good adder if we are looking for a milk producing animal. Mm -hmm. We can also, depending on whether we have some history of the animals, uh, be selecting by genetics and deciding on um, what we know from those animals at the genetic level. And we can select also for some things related with parasitic resistance, for instance, and try to propagate those animals that are resistant to parasites and, and eliminate those that are susceptible. Those are just some of the examples of those uh, selections. So let's, let's talk about the, uh, the female. What am I looking for in terms of a replacement female? What characteristics are very important for me to start propagating 
those, replicating those in, in the coming generations? There are some that are going to be uh, very specific to your production system. What is what you are looking for? Are you looking for heavy animals? Are you looking for uh, quantity of milk? Are you looking for... So those things will be one thing that is very individual um, to the different producers. But there are some general things that we are looking for. So we are looking um, for animals, as I mentioned before, that have a good... Uh, uh, parasitic resistance, that's one of the things that we are selecting for. Um, we are trying to select for animals that have a good adder, uh, and that's not related specifically with milk production as milk being the product, but also because that's relevant to how they're going to raise uh, their offspring. So a good point to start this selection of the females that we're going to keep is after the weaning um, of the previous uh, breeding season, so when we win um, the last lambs and the and the kids, this is a good moment to decide who gets to stay in the farm and who leaves. So at this moment, we are going to look for animals that have a good other that didn't have any issue with um, uh, delivering their kids or their lambs. We are going to be selecting animals that are um, that have a full mouth or that are not losing body condition score because they have been losing teeth. Uh, we are going to be selecting animals that have uh, good legs, that don't have any like chronic lameness or something that is going to affect them over the next year. Um, and at the same time, at winning, we might be selecting already all replacements. So we might start deciding what uh, lamb use or, or those are going to keep in a stain or herd. And so at that point, we will be looking a little bit phenotypically of those animals, but we are also looking at the history of their mothers so that we can see who we want to propagate in our herd. Catalina, we know that the males provide 50% of the genetic material in, in the kids. We want to know what consideration we need to look at. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, so as you mentioned, the, the male is a very critical and a very important um, animal in the, in the reproduction side. And it's usually um, not something that it's being given the importance that it has. So usually people decide the male that they're going to use the day before the breeding season. A lot of times they um, acquire animals from a different place and they don't quarantine them. So one of the first recommendations is decide what males you're going to use maybe a month in advance. If these animals are coming from outside your herd, this is a good time to have them quarantine and make sure that they are not bringing any infectious disease to your herd. And that um, applies to outside females as well, right? Yeah, and that will be the case for any replacements that is going to be, be coming to your herd. The recommendation always is whenever you bring an animal that was not at your hair that you're going to at least quarantine it for 30 days. Um, in the case of the males, besides keeping that in consideration, you want to select an animal that is going to be sound and that related with not having lameness or issues that are going to affect his ability to mount the females. Um, that could also include, for example, blindness. So you want to make sure that it's an animal that had the ability to see the females and look for the females. Um, then you could like consider specific selection criteria related with what you are looking for. Again, that will depend on what your purpose of production is. 
Um, so ideally, you're going to look for a male that is going to improve the genetics in your hair, whether this is for um, meat quality, for meat quantity, for milk uh, quantity. So if you have the history from the farm that you're buying the male, um, or if it's a replacement that you have kept, it's ideally an animal that is going to improve your herd. Um, and you are also selecting for their ability to reproduce. So for that, one of the things that we look into is um, testicles, for example, is something that we evaluate. We palpate the testicles, make sure that they are not abnormal, that they are symmetric, that they are not hard, that they can freely move within the scrotum so that they are going to be able to regulate temperature. Um, and we can, and we usually do in a lot of places, an evaluation of their semen. And with that, we make sure that they are not only good looking, they are not only able to mount, but they are also able to get them pregnant. So when we look at the semen, we have a better view of what the quality of that um, male is going to be at the moment of, of breeding the use. So let's segue into uh, a little bit more on the breeding season. Why? Uh, we have to have, or what are the benefits of having a specific breeding window where you, you're synchronizing females? What other considerations are we looking at when we talk about breeding season as a whole? There is, there is a, a component within the decision of the breeding season and how long do you want that breeding season to go for, and it's related to your production system. So... Each producer might have a specific time of the year, as we mentioned before, where they want to to kind of like narrow their lambing um, or kidding. There might be other cases, for example, in the case of uh, dairy, where you want to actually try to like throw them into all the breeding seasons so that you have milk available uh, for a longer period of time. Um, you might take decisions based on when your food is going to be available in your farm. Um, so there is there is a space for playing within the four months of the breeding season into where is the ideal time for you. But uh, in general, we try to aim for a 45 to 60 days breeding season. And with that, you're going to have a more homogeneous crop um, of animals that will have a better market. What other things... Uh, should we uh, start thinking about or keep check on? So the, in this uh, initial stage, which will be the one that we are about right now, which is in the early breeding season, so end of August, um, the, the things to consider are some of the things that we talked about already, selecting males, selecting females. Another thing that we have to consider for both of them is their body condition score. So. If we start this breeding season two weeks in advance uh, and, we st and we start flushing those animals with a higher protein and high energy diet, then we might see benefits during the breeding season. So ideally you choose when you're gonna start your breeding season and you go back two weeks to a period where you're going to stimulate them um, with, a, with a better quality of, of the feed. Um, ideally, you're targeting a good body condition score by the breeding season, and this is important in the female to guarantee that she's going to get pregnant and she's going to have a healthy pregnancy, but it's also very important in the male because when they go into breeding season, they really focus on their job, 
and a lot of times they don't eat as much as they should be eating. So usually males lose body condition score during their breeding season and it's important that they go with a good body condition score and that they have enough energy to go through the whole season um, doing their job correctly. This um, is very important. Uh, let, me, let me throw something in here. So nutrition and reproduction go hand in hand and we don't often think about the importance of having met the uh, nutritional needs of our herd. And one of the things that we recommend is you test what you're feeding them. Uh, the forages in Florida are very uh, poor in energy uh, as a whole. When we talk about Bahia grass, we talk about uh, a lot of the Bermuda grass that we grow. Um, we're talking about probably 7 to 12% protein content when we talk about the perennials per se, that a lot of people are, are, are counting on them to meet their 90% of their, their nutritional demands. But uh, maybe when, when it comes to flushing and keeping body condition, you need to start looking at supplementing with higher energy. Correct. And that has been proven in several studies, but it's also something that we want to do here, like locally, um, just to, to do a couple of um, research projects when we try half of the females uh, with a flush ration and half of them without it, and then try to compare that with how early they start cycling, uh, which ones are the ones that get bred first, and so that we can like uh, put evidence into locally Florida uh, cases mm -hmm. breeds. okay let's talk about artificial insemination and, and other tools that we can that we can use at our disposal okay so so in relation with the seasonality the seasonality is going to um, be related mostly with the hours of light as I mentioned before there are breeds that are less affected by it um, and there is also some things that we can do to try to help them start their breeding season a little bit early. Uh, one of that is the use of hormones. So with the use of hormones, we try to accelerate a little bit that breeding season. It's not going to be a radical change that we are going to be able to breed them three months before, but potentially we could stimulate them to breed maybe two weeks or a month uh, or something like that before that they would have naturally done it and that might have benefits um, in the marketing. So there are uh, hormones available to do that. Another strategy that has been commonly used is the ram effect or the back effect. So if we have not had the males and the females together for a period of time, and then eventually we allow them to see each other and be in contact, not direct contact, but to be able to smell each other and see each other, that is stimulus of the presence of this male is going to contribute to um, the beginning of that breeding season in the females. So that's something that can be also done to try to accelerate and synchronize um, the heats in those females. So that's in relation with seasonality. But independently of that, at any time during the breeding season, we have the possibility of synchronizing the females if we want to do artificial insemination or if we just want to basically group a number of animals that are going to all get bred in a short period of time. So that's a possibility that is there and we can talk about it in more detail in another occasion. As of artificial insemination, um, 
it's important to keep in mind that that goats can be artificially inseminated um, transcervically. So it's something that producers or anybody could get trained to do at home. But in the case of sheep, the only possibility for a successful artificial insemination is doing a laparoscopic artificial insemination. And so this is a technique that requires a little bit more of uh, work. And that's something that is important to, to keep in mind. It's doable. Um, it's just something that you need to understand that it's not just something that somebody is going to do in the, in the backyard. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that I consider that is important is uh, ideally that after a, maybe a month and a half of the beginning of your breeding season or two months after your breeding season um, that you do pregnancy checks. So we can ultrasound transabdominally those females and determine who is pregnant. And that has benefits because at that point you can select the females that didn't get pregnant and sell them if that's what you desire. Or potentially you could use those use or, or those that are open and synchronize them and give them another opportunity to get bred before the end of the breeding season. Um, but it helps you also to group your animals so you know who got bred first, who got bred in like a middle group, and you can also um, use that to organize your lambing or your kidding time to feed them differently so you can feed a better quality or higher quantity to the ones that are farther pregnant than the other ones. So it, it allows for a lot of different strategies of management. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in conclusion, there's a lot of uh, things that we need to consider when we uh, talk about reproduction and reproductive management. And this is just scratching the surface. First of all, selection of good phenotypically uh, sound animals is important. We talked about uh, looking at the uh, characteristics, ability of, of breeding by the uh, by the males. We talked about uh, uh, having a quarantine area for those outsiders to uh, prevent uh, diseases from coming in the herd. I thank you, Catalina, for your time. This has uh, been very educational, very eye-opening for us of things that we can do. Uh, we're expecting to have more educational videos done with you in Spanish and English, and uh, hopefully we can get to other people that are underserved or that need the information that you know from the veterinarian standpoint and then the production, the production standpoint as well. Uh, thank you, thank you for inviting me. I um, I enjoyed this conversation, and I'll be happy to go in more detail in any of the topics that we talked about today. And then we will see you guys later in another episode of Farming with Science. of Florida, IFAS Extension is an equal opportunity institution.